0: welcome back to another episode of drew and co unplugged this episode is a special episode that we've been talking about for months i got zach on here and his wife katie we talk about education the education system disparity between different educational systems and all the good stuff enjoy and let me know what you think hello zach and hello katie what's up hi how are y'all doing
1: well hanging in there (laughs) been looking forward to this
0: i know zach and i have talked about it on this podcast for five six months now
1: finally worked up the courage to to do this i guess
0: I think it's a
2: combination of that and just uh, finding some time in the busy schedules. Scheduling conflicts, yeah, that's been the biggest thing.
0: Yeah, when Kate texted me, I was like,
2: "Oh,
0: I'm driving down the freeway right
2: now." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, so for those of you that are curious, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead okay uh yeah for those of you tuning in and listening this is our uh education podcast where you're going to cover all things education and um zach and katie are both teachers i am uh not a teacher unless you count teaching your kid how to do stuff and i'm like a half-assed teacher (laughs)
2: <laughs> You've been teaching him how to play baseball. I mean, I guess that's more of a in the coach category, but you know, still teaching nonetheless. I don't even
0: want to get on that topic with what his baseball scene looks like and who his coach is, and yeah, we don't we don't need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were you going to say though? Do you have something that you wanted to throw in there before we uh, oh. kick this off? No, I was
2: just, just going to say, Kate said that I have to do. The majority of the talking, supposedly, Um, she's a little nervous. So maybe, you know, start her off easy, like kind of warmer, warmer, warmer up to it better than you did when we did the Q&A, when you jumped straight from coffee to like an in-depth question.
0: (laughs) Okay, Um, so obviously, Zach, uh, most people that have listened to our podcast episodes have continued to listen to them. Um, So Katie, how long have you been teaching? And what do you teach?
1: So I have, this is my seventh year teaching. Um, I am licensed to teach K-12 math. I have done one year in the high school and then I switched to sixth grade. And then the past two years I have taught fifth and sixth grade math exclusively. So that's where I'm at right now.
0: I think when I was in fifth and sixth grade math, that was some of my favorite times ever because uh, our teacher at the time would give us animal crackers for getting questions right. So
1: (laughs) And, And I tell you, the teacher that you're talking about still teaches across the hallway from me and she still hands out animal crackers.
0: I'm telling you, I was a math genius because I was an animal cracker whore.
1: I had the whole zoo
0: every class.
1: So think, think back for a second to when you were in fifth and sixth grade. And what math do you remember learning?
0: Uh, way to go real deep there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Um, I'm trying to, like, play back. So I remember in the third grade, which is a little further back, we learned our times tables in third grade. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember fourth grade, like really anything other than the other Andrew started at our school that time, that year. And our teacher also um, had the overhead projector screen fall on her. Um, so I don't really remember that. Fifth grade, ooh, I remember my main teacher, math. I uh, Honestly, I'm not sure. I I don't know if we start algebra that soon or if you start algebra in like seventh grade. I'm not really sure, to be honest. The
1: the reason I asked is I was talking to a parent the other night at our recent conferences, and he was just amazed at the amount that their students are learning in math right now compared to what, like when we were in school, the amount that we're teaching. So I didn't know if you remembered or not.
0: Oh, well, no, but I can imagine because my kid's, what, he just turned seven, um, and he, I mean, I don't know if they're working on it, but, like, he's already doing, like, large sums and differences and small multiplication, and, like, he's in the first grade. It's ridiculous.
1: It is. It is. It's just earlier and earlier. And I don't know that their little brains are ready for it yet.
0: Well, I do want to put this out there. And hopefully you guys aren't offended because I know you're both teachers, uh, <laughs> especially UK because you teach math. I have never in my entire adult life used algebra <laughs> or anything <laughs> beyond that. I have only used... The basics like addition, subtraction, percentages, multiplication. Um, I've used a little bit of fractions for home projects, you know, on the tape measure, but um, yeah, I've never had to in my entire adult life. And um, I feel like if I had to, I would just Google it because they have so many apps and stuff out there. <laughs> or I could just put it in, um, what's that? Chat GPT. And Chat GPT would solve it for me.
1: Right. Right. Photo math. That's what the high schoolers use. Photo math. They just take a picture of the problem and it solves it for them.
0: Right. I mean, it's like, I feel like it's one of those things. Do you need, need to know all aspects? No. But I think learning and going through that process is important for the development of your intellectual ability. Absolutely. And it's,
1: it's something that's really difficult to explain to a child whose brain isn't even halfway through their development yet. Um, That no, and see, I'm a poor example of it because I'm a math teacher. So I use the math every single day. Um, But explaining to a 10 year old, 11 year old, 12 year old that no, you're not going to be, you know, solving these complex order of operations equations every day of your life. But the process of learning the steps and maybe working with a classmate to solve the problem or working backwards to see where you made a mistake. Those are really important life skills that you can build. Um, but a lot of them aren't invested in it that way or they don't understand that that's really what they're they're gaining from math class. Well,
0: what you, I think this could help you out. So you could tell them that it'll help them as an adult when arguments on Facebook over memes of people that don't know how to use, please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. <laughs> yes. like yes. i don't think i've ever seen larger debates in my life other than the what color is the dress
1: <laughs> you mean the I white honestly, one i the
0: don't even white. remember <laughs> either way but i've never seen larger debates and like people can literally take a graphing calculator which i still like to think it's one of the more sophisticated calculator calculators that are out there i'm sure there's a lot more now um you could type it in on a video in front of people and hit equal and they would still argue it. Yes. Yes. So, but yeah, um, Zach and I touched base uh, a little bit about this, uh, in our, what was our last week's episode? Yeah. The Q and a, yeah. Cause we were talking about, um, kind of just disparity and lack of resources and he had mentioned how you guys have to buy all of your guys' supplies that you get like a, a couple hundred bucks or a hundred bucks what did you say it's 200 now
1: we get 200 now yeah
0: Oof. better be careful don't spend that all in one place <laughs> um yeah so that's that's uh crazy to think And um, I was telling him that at Aiden School, from kindergarten all the way through eighth grade, they all get standard school-issued iPads. Oh, wow. And here's the wild part. From last year to this year, they upgraded them to the newest iPad Pros. (laughs) So... So, does <laughs> it
2: look like these kids are like carrying around like 50 inch screen like plasma screen tvs or like no
0: they're they're the um they're not minis they're they're not the big ones either i think what's 10.9 is i think the the 9, okay. suv yeah. mid-range one
1: <laughs> so so our students k-12 uh, for the past few years every student had a school-issued chromebook um there were so many getting stolen um, we had actually like the family it just was it was chronic they were Chromebooks were disappearing um, you can imagine why what was being done with them um, so this year every classroom has a class set of Chromebooks
2: uh, mm-hmm. it,
1: it's really it has cut down on them disappearing and getting broken I think last year I had to request 10 new Chromebooks and I was just I'm one of five fifth and sixth grade classrooms and every teacher was having to request new because they were getting dropped or stolen or lost or something um so it's really cut down on that but all of our Chromebooks are refurbished so we don't we don't get new ones
0: here's another issue I hate to be the shit on um, person but Chromebooks suck
1: yeah. yeah and there's really a
0: reason do. why they're so cheap compared to something like an ipad like the processor form sucks the the gpu cpu like the whole the whole nine like when you get on one of those you feel like you're in the past <laughs>
1: that's a really good way to describe it absolutely
0: yeah and so just just that alone is crazy to think that like um which surprisingly, knock on wood, as far as I've heard from um, my kids' school, like that's not an issue. Theft's not an issue with them, uh, breaking them. Of course, they give them not necessarily otter box cases, but they're really like durable. Like you could probably throw them probably like 10, 15 feet in the air and it's not going to break type of cases. Um, but just thinking about how much money they spent on that, because Aiden's a part of, um, the way that their school works and their district, so their district is like a giant spider web and all the ends of the webs are all the individual um, elementary, like K through eight schools. And then in the center, um, you have the one high school. So when he goes to high school, his graduating class will be like 1200. Wow. But his current school that he's at might only have, like, K-8, through eight, it probably has, like, I don't know, uh, 600 maybe, 700. So okay. it's not nearly as big. But still, just think, because they do that in the entire district. So just imagine 700 times, I think there's five schools in his district. Uh, I could be wrong. It might be six. Um, just, you know, you're looking, they probably got a deal on the iPads for, like, 700 a piece times you know however so they spent over a million dollars on ipads right. from last year to this year and i don't know if our has our school other than when the school got built the new one have they ever gotten a million dollars in funding ever
1: <laughs> no i mean like tax levies every year but that that's none of that's going toward technology technology none of it
0: What does it go towards? I mean, I know that there's, like, sports programs and stuff that have to be funded, but I feel like a lot of that's done through, like, out-in-town stuff. So what what does the funding go towards? Like, do you guys still buy new textbooks? Is that a thing? Yeah.
1: So, yeah, actually, um, I co-head the math department, so I was in charge of ordering the new math textbooks this year, which was – it was really nice to get a new math series. We were able to get it K-12 – we ended up only getting it K-8 to save a little bit of money. I had no idea how much textbooks were. Um, oh, you're
0: looking at probably 70 bucks a piece.
1: I, listen, K- K-8. We bought books for K-8. So we're talking in our district, we have K-12. We have about 740, roughly, students. Um, so you're thinking K-8, probably about 500 students, give or take. Um, we spent about sixty thousand dollars for just our math series, um, and that math series has to last us five to six years, and then we can get new ones.
0: You know, one thing I did love so, like, because obviously, like, Aiden's not gonna have to go through this with his school because they get new stuff all the time. But one thing I loved, and I was telling Zach about this uh, last week, is I loved how I got an older textbook. And I'd randomly be, like, in class, and it'd be, like, flip to page 47. And then you'd flip to page 47. It would take you on this whole route just <laughs> yes. for somebody to be, like, you're gay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. yes. So, thankfully now, like, I don't know if I should say thankfully or not, because I feel like it leads to so much waste. Um, I know for math, I Zach, I feel like you could probably talk more for, like, language arts or other um, all of them are consumable. And what that means is that, you know, students can write in all of them. They are their books. So like they can tear out pages. We don't have to save those textbooks and, and track like, you know, at the beginning of every book, there's a name in it and you put like, mm-hmm. is the book good? Is it great? <laughs> is it in bad quality? Um, we don't have to do that anymore. So next year I'll get another shipment of all of the K-8 books. And those will have to be dispersed to the classrooms, but Um, They call those consumables. And I guess, I mean, it's kind of nice. You don't have to keep track of students' books for them, um, you know, and and check those in and check those out every year. But I just feel like it is very wasteful. It's very, very wasteful.
0: Isn't that the same as a workbook?
1: Basically, yes. So, I mean, you used to every year, you'd have your... Hardback math book that you would get, and you would see those names in the front of them, who had them all ten years prior to you, and then you would get a, a workbook that you use every year. Now it's kind of built in. Um, we didn't even get
0: workbooks
1: in math. We didn't. No. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I know. No. Nice we use the
0: it. we yeah. use the book book, and
1: <laughs> you wrote on paper,
0: or we use Carla.
1: <laughs>
0: yes yes i'll just leave it at that i won't say the last <laughs> thing you already know we would use her uh oh man yeah that was that's wild um so pushing forward past the uh book so and that's like another thing i did tell zach last week is like with our schools there is no school list that go out, which I didn't know that. So I was really confused when Aiden started in kindergarten. I sent him with like all kinds of supplies. Like I just tried to remember what I would have had to have when I was like young. Um, yeah. But it's all, it's already there and the school provides everything. So literally all they have to do is show up with a backpack and um, a water bottle and that's it. They, they give them folders they give them um everything and then like probably 50 to 60 percent of their stuff is done on an ipad
1: um i just i want to say really quick speaking of water bottle that's the most hydrated generation of children that this world has ever seen because I just, we, every student has to have a water bottle. We have to give them every opportunity to, you know, to refill it and to drink it. And I, can you think back to when you were in school, how many times you sat in class and you were just so thirsty and you knew if you asked, the teacher was going to be like, no, you can't leave to go get a drink. I never had a water bottle with me.
0: (laughs) I don't think we were
1: allowed. No, we were not.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, and that was before... Of course, nowadays you probably have kids at school with Stanleys.
1: Every 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 child (laughs) has a Stanley. And do you know the sound of those Stanleys? Oh, just clinking.
2: Hey, my second (laughs) one of my second graders had one the other day, and I actually I accidentally knocked it off of her desk, and it fell, (laughs) and the lid um the lid shattered. And she like burst into tears like I mean like her childhood puppy died or something. <laughs> like like not my Stanley cup for love of God. But uh yeah, so now I have to uh replace uh now
0: you're gonna go buy a seventy dollar Stanley, Stanley cup. Well
2: I just <laughs> that bought, sucks. I, I bought a two pack of uh, of lids on Amazon for like for like nine dollars or something. So I, I got her a couple new lids because the cup was fine. It was just the lid. So see I I, didn't have
0: to I don't handle. have a Stanley, I got a Walmart. Walmart brand. They have the same dang thing. And I paid party, like yeah. I paid fourteen dollars for mine. Is it
2: the Ozark Ozark Trail?
0: I don't think so. I don't even <laughs> know what it is. I don't even Would think, think it has a like brand. name.
2: I know all the fake like Yeti stuff used to be called like Ozark something. I was just wondering.
0: Oh, no. I don't even think this honestly has a brand name. Like, I think it's literally Mm. just
1: Great value.
0: (laughs) But it literally does like, because if you think about it, like all these, and I saw a a meme video, actually. I don't know I'm getting a little off topic here, but uh, a meme video whenever Yeti was coming up with their name and their cooler and they're like, oh, yeah, it's going to be able to hold ice for a week. And it's like, when are you ever in a situation that you need a cup to hold ice (laughs) for more than like four hours, maybe five? (laughs) Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like maybe if you go to like Disney world or Disneyland in the middle of the summer and it'd be really great to have ice in your cup, but otherwise it's like, when are you not going to have access to get ice?
1: I have a couple students who will open their Stanley cup or their Yeti or whatever it is they have. It's usually a Stanley and they will eat their ice while I'm teaching. And you know what that sounds like. There's the crunch, like the crunching of ice. That would be me. Uh, it would be you because you are a very loud human. Um, but I have students that just crunch their ice while I teach. And I think, man, I just wish they could put those water bottles away. And you can't ask them to. Uh,
0: yeah. Yeah. See, I always do see it in trouble. Do you guys still have the um... – I don't know what kind of desks you would call them. The desk where the, um, I don't even know what you call it. where you can stick like your hands inside. I mean, that sounds bad, but you know what I mean? Like where you can stick your hands in it rather than the yeah. rack underneath. But the, yes, yeah, you know? absolutely. <laughs>
1: so that's what, that's what a lot of classrooms have. Like I first grade through six, we have those desks, you know, like that are not attached to your chair is kind of what you're trying to say. Um, right it's it's uh, like the
0: desk has its tabletop and then it has like a i guess you could say a cubby where you could put all your stuff in it
1: yeah
0: i used to get in trouble because at lunch i would buy those jerky packs which now to think about it that we used to pay two dollars and 50 cents for like four pieces of jerky what a rip off (laughs) um i used to get in trouble for having my hands in my desk and i'd be eating All the time, and if you think about it, like especially I think about it now, I'm like, man, like, you were talking about one thing I wish I could have done in school was eat. I would have done so. I mean, I did well in school, but I I feel like I would have done better if I would have been able to eat because I was always hungry.
1: Well, I mean, like with the amount of food insecurity that we have, like especially in our area right now, as it's definitely frowned upon for us to tell students that they can't eat in our classroom. Um, Like I have, you know, I have the fifth and sixth graders. Zach has second grade. Like. They eat at 1030 in the morning. And then here I am trying to teach them math still at, at 230 and they are starving. So I, I do allow them to eat in my classroom if they have a snack. I'm going to be honest with you. I have never been more shocked to find a student pull out half a rotisserie chicken and eat it in my classroom.
0: <laughs> now that's goals right there. <laughs> and I, said,
1: I said, what are you doing? And he said, eating a rotisserie chicken. Like I should have just been like, all right, cool. Eat a rotisserie chicken in my classroom. Like, how but,
0: dare you interrupt?
1: I, I know. <laughs> like, I'll wait. I won't teach you any math right now. Go ahead and feast.
0: See, that's another thing. I feel like that's, um, setup-wise, I feel like that's a a bad setup um, with the way that, like, your guys are scheduling this. Because I'm assuming it's still relatively the same as what it was whenever we went through school, for the most part. Like, you have whatever classes and then you hit lunch if you're lucky you have a recess like right after lunch but it's one it's like one time block there so yep. depending on how long you take at lunch that's how much recess you get and then um and then you have class the rest of the day yep so at Aiden's school they they don't start till which I know that your guys' start time did it get moved back so in California schools are not allowed to start any earlier than 8 30. okay there was a big study that was done and this um scientists brought forward all this data and the lawmakers out here were like oh man that makes so much sense that um a young child is not going to want to learn something when they uh are at school at seven fifteen in the morning so um school doesn't start till 8 by 9:30 they have snack time. So they have their first snack and then at 11:30 he has lunch and then at 1:30 they have their afternoon snack. And then school gets out at 2:20. Oh wow. That's
1: a that's a short day, I mean especially compared to here like I mean, I've got books open learning at
0: 7.50. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. Here, it's literally 8.30 to 2.20. They've got three different, like, because their their lunch recess is the same type of deal where it's like, hey, you've got X amount of time to eat and play, uh, which I've had to uh, coach him multiple times on that you can't just not eat and just play. Yeah. But, um so yeah, that's how his uh, system is, and then his after-school care sits through the school system as well. They do um, at three thirty a snack time there too, and it's a school pro- that one's a school-provided snack. So I mean, he could eat the school food if he wanted to, but he is spoiled and gets a lunch pack for him every single day. It is the vein of my existence.
1: Well, no, I wouldn't call like here. I wouldn't say that's spoiled because, I mean, like we pack, we pack Parker's lunch every day because if we don't, he's not going to eat because I don't know what lunch looks like there. Um, lunch here is barely palatable, in my opinion. It's not something that I would want to eat. It's not something that I'm totally okay with my child not eating the school lunch that's provided here. Um, it's just, in my opinion, it's not very good. It could be a lot better, but
2: everything comes everything basically just comes like prepackaged in these massive plastic vacuum sealed bags and they just like heat it up and it's really gross like Kate we always say the um whenever we have like soup and they'll serve it with like a grilled cheese sandwich the grilled cheese sandwich literally comes in a package and it says hot off the grill Ugh. like yeah and it's a it's in a plastic like you know a plastic package that they just heat up and it's soggy as can be, and it says "fresh off the grill" or "hot off the grill" or whatever, and it's like just—it's. So they
0: weird. don't have—they don't have Alice back there making them. <laughs> <laughs>
2: She's
1: mm-hmm.
2: still here. She's well, "Like still here, we,
1: we, but...
2: we like to say like they're not cooks anymore. They're just like heater uppers, basically. They and... just heat stuff up. <laughs> they don't cook. They don't cook anything. It's and that, not by and their, it's their not, choice. And, yeah, it's it's like, like their fault. Like it's not. It's like a you know, subway." Uh, like (laughs) subway, they don't
0: they don't actually cook they just put together the sandwich and then they either put it in a toaster or they don't
2: (laughs) (laughs) right yeah and i mean i don't i don't want to don't don't think i'm like trashing the cooks or anything but i mean it's you know it's it's not their fault but man and then and and a, a few years ago they weren't even allowed to like put add anything to it like they just heat it up and you're you're just getting the blandest food ever now i think they at least got the uh the green light to use some dang salt and pepper and a little you know garlic powder or something here and there because it does have a little more flavor than it used to but man the food is really really bad
0: you know i don't think when we went through i didn't think now obviously there were some days the food was gone awful but there were other days where it was actually pretty good
2: yeah listen compared to when we were in school to 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 what it is now it was When we were in high school, I mean, we were talking five star, you know, gourmet meals compared to this compared to this prison slop that we get. I mean, when I think back
0: on it, I'm telling you, like the baked spaghetti, the chili, um, shoot, even when they would do like, and I know it came out of a can, but they obviously put some sort of season. When they had the tomato soup with the grilled cheese, um, shoot, some of that stuff was the. uh, Do they still do the uh, Salisbury steak? No,
1: mm, no, that's not even. Enough. Oh man,
0: the Salisbury steak with the mashed potatoes. hmm. Mm. I just hated like. <laughs> I always used to get so excited for the fries, and then no matter what, they always sucked. They were just like <laughs>
1: yes.
0: cardboard. Like them bitches were from yesterday. Fries. <laughs>
1: I Listen, this is something that just occurred to me this week. And I think it's been happening for a few years. And I just, my students brought it to my attention. Um, We had tater tots for lunch, like as a side on Thursday. Well, then Friday morning, a breakfast option was a bowl of tater tots. And I was like, wow, they made tater tots for breakfast. And one of the kids was like, no, they made them for lunch yesterday. They're just serving them as leftovers.
0: See, when I was in the military, that's called mid-rats. And so they would do a meal period for the people that work nights and it's called rats and it would be served at like 11 p.m. and it would be all the leftover food from throughout the day. <laughs> so it like you get
1: right. <laughs> I'm
0: telling you literally you could get a tray that would have like lasagna, mashed potatoes, uh corn and then there might be like <laughs> I don't even know like a uh, like a piece of cornbread like <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey i, I remember I, I remember when we were in school they used to take the leftover chicken nuggets and put them on like a slap them on like a dinner roll remember and they called it they were like little mini chicken sandwiches they called them chicken littles and i'm like i wasn't even mad about it those things like slapped <laughs> like there was
0: actually some decent stuff like i didn't mind the when they would have chicken sandwich the burgers sucked they yeah. uh, that, those burgers my gosh First off, I don't know if I've ever seen a thinner sliced patty in my my entire life. You would talk about a a 16th of a pound uh, patty. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes. But,
0: well, and also, like, they didn't give you any toppings for the burger. Literally, that you get a piece of cheese that they would sit on top of the bun, which I never understood. But then looking back, it's for all those pansies that don't like cheese or they're allergic to it. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man, good times, good times. Um, so let's uh press this forward a little bit. Um I have a question I have been wanting to ask you both. And this hopefully I'm sure somebody's probably asked you guys this at some point, being that you're teachers and you've been teachers for a long time and you have conferences and all that stuff. Um, But from the parent's perspective, and this is where it gets tough, right? How, I guess I'll, I'll, how do you guys, well, I'll separate, I'm going to do two questions. First question, how difficult is it for you guys to separate the hat of parent and the hat of teacher?
2: Hmm. Hmm. Well, we're just now kind of, take a oh, dive man. on deep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, we're just now kind of diving into that. You know what I mean? Cause our, our kids are just, uh, just this year becoming school age, you know, our oldest one just started kindergarten and we're halfway through that. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough because you it's like on one hand you're, you know, this person you work with is your child's teacher. Um, so, you know, there's sometimes when you have to act like a parent, but then they're also your colleagues. So you can't, uh, you, you can't exactly act like a full on parent. You have to still be kind of professional because you can't, you gotta be careful how you handle things. I mean, it, it's, it's all new to us. I mean, it is kind of, it's weird. It's something we're kind of still figuring out in real time. Like, I mean, that's an answer we might have a little better perspective on in a few years once we've, you know, I guess done it for a, a longer period of time, but, um, yeah, I don't know. Kate, you got anything to add to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I just think of it as, you know, like I, we spend our whole day with this group of children who aren't our children, but we treat like they're our children. Um, and it's exhausting. By the end of the day, you've answered so many questions and helped so many students through so many different situations. And then to come home... I want to completely disconnect from being a teacher. I want to disconnect from school, but then I have to pull my son's folder out and see the papers that he worked on during the day and see if there's a book that we need to read and I need to sign off on that night. And, um, you know, there might be paper come home and say, Hey, your kid's a little behind in this. You should work on that. So then I have to plan the activities that we're going to do for the evening to help them catch up with that. And, and I go from teacher teacher to mom teacher and, and dad teacher Zach is. And, um, I get so frustrated so easily because Parker keeps forgetting these one or two letters and you can't recognize them. And I'm like, why can't you just know, why can't you just know what that letter is? And I'm like uh, reminding myself, have patience with him. He's five. Um, but all my patience is gone through the day. So it is hard. I feel like, um, my kids are kind of getting the short end of the stick. Like they're kind of not getting like the full me that they should be getting because of, um, and giving myself to all these other kids during the day and I'm not I'm not complaining about it it's just what we chose we chose this profession it's how it goes um but I think like on the other hand Parker um Parker likes it that we're teachers like he talks about maybe wanting to be a teacher someday so I'll mean, do
0: it <laughs>
1: <laughs> <Right>.
0: <laughs> move to a bigger city <laughs> when, when so
1: when you like when we talked about doing this I thought earlier, I was like, I, I want to make sure that I make it very, very apparent that I love my job. But then I feel like I'm also <laughs> going to spend the next however many minutes like doing everything in my power to convince you otherwise, because I have all these things to say. But I do, I, I do love my job. Don't get me wrong. Um, but and there are so many great things about being a teacher. But but right so, now, in, in, in seven years, this is probably the hardest year that I've ever had.
0: Well, see, that last question is going to – this is cakewalking into my next one. And so from the parent side and you guys as parents, how do you feel when your child gets – I don't know if Parker's quite at the age yet, maybe not – gets sent home some sort of homework? Like, does that bother you guys? Are you guys like, ah, oh, okay, cool, whatever it is, what it is? Because I know on my side, so I put this from the parent's perspective, like true hardcore parent perspective of I have to drop Aiden off at his before school care, typically at 6.30 in the morning. I don't pick him up until 4 or 4.30 most nights, most evenings, And then, obviously, as soon as I pick them up, we get home and then got to cook dinner, got to go through all that. And then by the time it's time to shower, it's already because I do I will say I do cook pretty decent meals that normally take about an hour to cook. Um, So by the time we eat and everything, it's, you know, six, six thirty. And now I'm looking at the time and I'm like, crap, like it's already six o'clock. I put him to bed typically at eight. So I've got two hours. He's got to shower still and do all that and get ready for bed. And I have basically, so realistically like an hour and a half time to spend with him. And if he has a shred of homework, I do not want to do it because it's like, yo, I'm getting 90 minutes with my child today while he's awake. So from my side, it's, how and I know this is, and this is, I'll, I'm, I'm walking the tightrope here, so I don't, it's okay if you guys uh fire no, you're not back gonna at offend
1: me. me. Like, say whatever, um, you're not gonna.
0: Well, because it's one of those things where, in my mind, as the parent, I'm like, yo, like, I'm doing all these things with my job all day, every day. Now, is there sometimes that things get taken home that I have to do? Sure, but for the most part, it's how is it that whatever my child has to get done, why does it have to be tonight at home? in the 90 minute window that I get with him versus tomorrow at school or at the school day that day.
1: Okay. So I have like, obviously two different types of answers for this. Like, let me give you my parent answer for it first. Um, obviously I feel like I have an incredibly biased uh, opinion on this because I am a teacher, but also because our work day ends at two forty-five. Um, our workday starts at 7.45, it ends at 2.45. Now, you, I know that you understand that as a teacher, my workday does not end at 2.45. I'm off contract at 2.45, but there is so much work that we do at home on our own time. Um, but, you know, Parker walks to our classroom at the end of the day. We usually have to go pick up Mason from wherever he is, and we're home most days, no later than 4. Um, a lot of times we're home by 3.15. Um, Ooh, that's nice. So. I know. So, And we're lucky that we go to the same place. Like our whole family is usually in the same place every day. Um, so that's really nice.
0: But, do you guys only uh, take one car?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
0: yeah. that's yeah. so, oh, I'm jealous. I never yeah. even thought about that. The amount I mean, of gas that you guys say.
1: It's an inconvenience for us on the days that like, say somebody has a doctor appointment that we have to take a second car. It's like, oh man, why do we have to drive two cars today? <laughs> know, you know, I want to <laughs> take two different cars. Um, and then the kids fight over who they're going to ride with. Um, but like as a parent, um, especially seeing the way Parker is right now, like his academics are, he's doing a great job. Um, but I, I feel like, and I I don't know how to say this, but like, there's a couple things that I wish he were doing better at. So Uh when I do see, um. Like they send home like once or twice a week, these little books that they read and we sign off on. And if we send them back in that he's read it for us, that he gets to like to get something out of the prize box or something. I don't know. Um, so when we have to do that, it takes us five minutes. Like it's, it's six words. Like he's tapping out words and, and learning how to, to read. And um, that I don't mind. I don't mind doing that because we're going to read together in the evening. Anyway, we're going to do something like that anyway. Um, and I usually try to just, we get home, we set our backpacks down and I get it out and we just hurry and do it. Um, now I know the older he gets, he's going to start having more homework. And, um, I feel like I want to try really hard to make him independent so that his homework is something that is his responsibility and not mine. But I understand for parents, you know, with children that are in kindergarten, first grade, second grade, they can't really read yet, or they don't really understand things on their own. And, um, but then, from like, wait, do you want to add to that before I go any farther, Zach?
2: Like homework from a parent side? Yeah. Um. I don't know. I don't know that I have much of an opinion on homework from the parent side, but like, I would say from the teacher side of it, I, I don't, I don't do much homework. I mean, we have, you know, they have weekly spelling words every week, and we have like a story that they might have to read or listen to or something, and and really that's about it. I mean, I, I don't. I don't want to overwhelm anybody with, with homework because, you know, we, we know what it's like on, on on that end. And one of the things I always say to my kids is like, um, you know, my job, like I always tell them that they have a job too. Like school is their job. Basically. If, if you want to look at it that way, like my job is to, you know, to teach them all day and their job is to learn all day. And you know, if you're, off the clock at two forty-five, you know, you don't, as teachers, we have to, just because we, otherwise we wouldn't get anything done, but you know, nobody wants to work at, after you're off. And, you know, it's kind of the same thing for the kids. Like they've been sitting there learning all day long. Like, you know, they should, they should be able to be off the clock too. And, you know, just go be kids and stuff. And, you know, I, I get, it's conflicting because, you know, on one hand, like they're behind that you know, need to catch up and need the extra practice and stuff. And, you know, I still send a lot of stuff for those kids who maybe are a little bit behind in reading, or you know, if we have some math that they're struggling with, I'll send a little extra practice here and there. But I do not do like nightly, you know, homework that you know they are going to get overwhelmed with, um, or or anything like that. So yeah, homework's not, you know, it's not maybe as big as it used to be because I, I another thing too, man, as a teacher, if you can't if you can't teach what you need to teach and and, and you know uh, effectively and get it across to the students and you know the six hours that you're with them then you know you're probably not being a very good teacher if you got to send stuff home every night and they're still not learning and stuff so yeah you know kind of maximizing your time in class and getting all the teaching in that you can too that way you know they don't have stuff left over to learn that makes sense for sure
1: so like i want to say from from my teacher's perspective. for the past, like I had the same mindset as Zach, like for the past four or five years, I've, I've told parents, because it's, this is, this is what's so hard for me in fifth and sixth grade. I have parents every year say, why aren't you sending home homework? Why aren't you sending us home more practice? My kid needs more practice. Why aren't you sending home practice? And I've always said school is their job. I'm not going to send home something when they should be able to do it at school. But then we had the pandemic and, and students are so far behind in math I mean nationally internationally in the whole world we're more behind in math than we are in reading and science um and and unlike you know other things that you can memorize you know you can like history you can listen to a lecture and you can remember the things subject. with math the only way you're going to get better at math is to do math um and, and for me right now, my, my math time has been cut. Uh, I don't get as much time to teach my students. I see my students for an hour each day, as, whereas it used to be when we were in school, you had math for 90 minutes. Sometimes you had a two-hour math block. Um, and I get them for 60 minutes, which you know that equates to about 40 minutes of teaching. And, and I might get the lesson taught in 35 minutes, and we're going to practice for five minutes, and then I think, okay, they obviously didn't get enough practice today. But I, I just this year have started sending homework again. But um, I don't send any more than three to five problems. Um, and usually I send now, are these figure- like
0: are these like uh-huh. half-sheet, full-sheet problems? Or- no, 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 no. Like,
1: I, uh, for example, <laughs> when I sent home this week um, with my sixth graders, they were learning about exponents. And I sent home, like, five problems of, you know, ten squared, six cubed like they 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 could look at some of my students that are really good at it could get done in in less than a minute um right something that that i honestly don't think their parents needed to have any part in
0: that makes sense yeah i think um it's just tough like because i in one hand um I can relate on the aspect of just not feeling like you have enough time. Cause I know like in my profession or my job, not being in school, whatever. Um, I don't ever feel like there's enough time in the day. Most days to get my job, what I need done, done. Um, but obviously because it's a uh, 365 job, I, I, Like, I mean, technically, yeah, I can just let it go and pick it up tomorrow unless it's, like, a really, like, time-sensitive thing based on um, my leadership team and what they need, that kind of thing. But overall, like, if I really, really want to and I'm willing to get behind – but that's the tough part is if I let myself get behind one day, then I can get behind two days, three days. It it piles up really fast. It's like I hate taking time off from work because I will get – a week behind, taking two days off, um, but that's just kind of the nature of my job. So it's just tough, though. Like like I say, from the parent side, because I think if, and Aiden doesn't really get sent home a lot of homework. Actually, not that often, if ever. Um, he does get like a weekly, um, they call them book bags, where they send home a book, and they have to read the book every supposed to be every day. I'd be a liar if I said I have him read it every day. He has to take them back on Thursdays. He reads that shit Wednesday night or Thursday morning before he goes to school. But it's like, and we have to mark down, right? Um, we don't have to sign it, but basically, we the teacher will assign the book. She'll write in um, the title on the sheet, and then... All I have to do is circle on the thing. Is it difficult, just right, or too easy? And they have different levels of books, right? It's like A through Z in terms of like the levels. And I want to say he's on J, I think, or K. I don't know. Uh, J or K. And it's still like really easy for him because the books now are just getting like longer, So they'll be like 25 pages. Now, granted, they might only be like three to four sentences a page, but Aiden reads about as fast as I did, when i was that age out loud. Um, So (laughs) it's, you know, the duck may swim on the lake. So it'll take like a... It's painful. Yeah, it'll take a while. Now, sometimes certain books, he, I can tell that he just is really, like he is into the book. He'll read it really fast, but yeah. he's got to be into it. It's kind of like eating dinner. Like if he, if he really, really wants that meal, he'll eat it in like five minutes. If he don't want that meal, he'll eat it in about an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's hot and cold. So it's just tough though. It's like, it's one of those things. Like I think to myself, it's like, yo, dude, like the last thing I want to do after my day at work is go home and play teacher. Like, I don't, one, I'm not a teacher for a reason, because I suck at teaching. Um, I've learned that through um, me just trying to coach him with baseball, that I have um, zero patience, <laughs> and um, I'm pretty sure if I was a teacher, I would Spartan kick a kid the first day of school.
1: <laughs> my, right now, my students like to joke, like, I'll get this look on my face when I'm frustrated. I have this one boy who's really funny. He'll go, "Uh uh-oh, she's going to punch someone. I'm like, now you know that I can't legally do that.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's where I'm going to pay the little Johnny, the sixth grader, come beat you up. (laughs)
1: Like, hey, buddy,
0: you want to make 50 bucks? (laughs) 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 Can you imagine the headlines? Teacher arrested for sectioning fights at local school.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, crazier things have happened, though, so...
0: Yeah, Well, yeah, that's not surprising. And, you know, I think, honestly, one of the big issues, um, obviously, like with you guys, not only is it funding, I think it's probably the root of 90% of the issues that you guys have there. Because uh, funding, lack of, leads to lack of resources, which leads to um, dated, you know, dated textbooks. Dated, just everything is behind which is only going to put the kid behind um so like when i look back on it and this is not me like shitting on our education that we had growing up but like the fact that i went through an entire master's program with a 4-0 and like people tell me all the time that i'm like really smart and i think about like where I went to school as a kid and I tell people like, oh, this is what our school is like. They're like, how are you so smart? <laughs> <laughs> That's what they say out here because the schools, um, I mean, I guess I'm lucky. Like like I said, Aiden's in like a really, really good school system, really good school district. And um, it's just adequate funding. The teachers are really great. And then here's another thing that I think would probably go a long way Um, with your class specifically and that some of the struggles that um, you might be facing is they have the funding and staffing that every classroom if needed can have a teacher's aid. And I think that would probably
1: level like K eight,
0: all levels K 12. So like if say if um, a student's struggling and then also how, you guys, you know how you guys have Class Dojo? Yeah. So we have the same thing, but our school system offers, um, they'll pay for tutoring through Class Dojo as well. Like if your yeah. kid's like really struggling, they will cover the cost and you can do like online tutoring with them uh, with an actual like person that gives them. The exact grade level materials and all that stuff based on where they're at in their classes, and um, so I just think those just just those two additional resources there. Now, obviously, having that kind of a staff capability is um, that's essentially like doubling your entire staff that you guys have there, right, as teachers. Yes. Um, but I feel like having an aide would probably make a pretty big difference in your with what you're going through, right?
1: Oh my gosh, having an extra person would be, even if we had an extra person, um, per grade level or, you know, an extra person, like I teach fifth and sixth, if we had an extra person, just the difference that it would make, um, we just have, we have so many expectations on us right now for interventions, just providing students interventions for where they're behind, like where there are deficiencies, um. Like, I just, two days ago, I was told I needed to be providing a couple students interventions and tracking, tracking the interventions that I provide um, during class. um, And then, and monitoring, progress monitoring students with those interventions. And I think, what am I going to do with all of my other students while I'm providing those interventions? Because if I take my attention off of the 24 other kids in the room for a minute, it is hysteria. I mean, it's, they, they're... They'll go wild. I said, "There's really no other way to say it." I mean, like, it's not like I don't have classroom control, but or the students don't respect us. It's just uh, fact of the matter is that they're kids, and they need structure, and and you can't provide those interventions to those singular kids. You know, I might have one student per room or two students per room that need those interventions, and if my attention is on one or two of them, the rest of them are not learning, and it's
0: well. And I think another problem that would come into that is. Um, not that that's what it would specifically be but it's essentially it also singles that kid out and it opens up that door for people to be like oh well there's the big dummy of the class that can't even do the, the work you know
1: sure and I mean Zach I mean why don't you say how you handle your interventions and like how you do your intervention time so it really doesn't single kids out but
2: yeah and I mean (laughs) Kate kind of had these conversations with um, some parents the other night too about like you know students who are behind or you know need you know an IEP or uh, things like that you know it's not like the old days of where you know what they had like LD classes where you had what what people identified as whatever you just said the the dumb kids or whatever were all you know in, in the same little tiny classroom and and whatever you know those kids are all they all just stay in class but but you're right you, you you do have to um you pull those kids aside for groups and stuff and honestly in second grade it's not it's not really that big of an issue because I pull you know we do have like level groups like I have a, a low group a middle group and a high group and um I pull all three of them you know what I mean so like every kid does small groups with me and it's just that you know when they're with me we're working on um, stuff that's at their level, you know what I mean. So if we're if we're reading, you know, I'm I'm reading lower level stuff with my my lower group, and you know, middle level stuff with my middle group, and higher level, you know, etc. Um, so really, and those kids, frankly, they just at that age, they're a little bit, um, I guess, a little bit oblivious to, you know, maybe the fact that they're doing even doing different stuff. Um, at all, so you know, at the lower grades, um, it's it's not as big of an issue. But yeah, I'm so I'm guessing in fifth and sixth grade, when you, uh, yeah, when you've got the same one or two kids that are just, you know, being single, um, you know, pulled out one on one, all the time. That's probably um, pretty isolating, and you know, does kind of put a target on that kid's back for sure. So not something that necessarily I have to face in second grade, but maybe with the older kids, yeah.
0: That makes sense. Um, And so I I did want to ask you guys this also. So one thing that I do, and some people might give me some flex for it, but I don't really give a shit. Um, One of the things I don't like with my kids' school system is because we're here in California, and I've mentioned this multiple times before, how mental health went from being like a – under served which in some ways it still is um under just like not on the radar type of thing um and then now in 2024 it's like popular to have something wrong with you where it's become a fad um to the point where it's like an abused type of thing and nowadays like you know somebody will have like one thing go wrong with their day and it's like oh it's because of whatever like it's almost and i hate it because it takes away from those who truly do have issues and struggle with it uh whether that be you know depression anxiety etc um, etc et you name it um but like they basically kind of turn it into a parody at this point where it's like oh, I hit the curb because uh, I'm an Aries, you know, like the horoscope bullshit. Like (laughs) that's the way that that people treat it nowadays. It's like, oh, you've had two bad days in a row. You're depressed. And so like in my kids' school, they're real big on the mental health thing. And they try to like push that agenda so hard that. I hate it. It drives me nuts. Is that something that they do there or is it still kind um, of how it used to be where it just doesn't exist? (laughs) We
1: we call it, no, we call it SEL, social emotional learning, which is, it's a nationally normed curriculum now. Like um, we receive trainings beginning of the year, multiple times throughout the year um, on social emotional learning. And we actually have Um, some curriculums we have to provide in our classroom that students have to receive social emotional learning weekly, like how to, to deal with their emotions. But in our school, and I don't know if, if in California or if Aiden's school, they have this, like we have counselors, um, from an outside organization who are stationed in our school. Um, they have their own offices in our school. Students know where to find them. Um, along with our regular school counselor that is employed through our school, um, but I mean, I cannot tell you, like, I cannot count the number of phone calls I receive daily saying, you know, can such and such go see their counselor, please. And, um, and I am, it's really, really difficult being, you know, I, I think any teacher would feel this way, but being the math teacher, I feel like I, it's, my class is important. I feel like the stuff that I'm trying to teach them that day is important. And, and sometimes it's, it's hard to do because I know what's going to be said about me, um, I know how it's going to look, but sometimes I'll say, sorry, no, I can't let them come right now because I'm teaching you know, X, Y, Z thing. Um, and then, you know, I see that counselor in the hallway and they're like, Hey, why didn't you let the kid come and see me? But I'm like, if I let this child who is, is don't get me wrong, is depressed or this child who is having, you know, a mental health struggle. If I let them leave my class, they're going to be more behind in my class. And you know what that adds to them? Stress. And you know what that happen? Like that makes them more depressed. It makes them more stressed out. And it's just this vicious cycle that never ends. And you're right, it is kind of like, I don't know. It's it's made into this, I don't want to say fun thing, but it's like, oh look, they have a counselor. I wanna have a counselor. What can I do to go see that counselor? And and we have a couple students who play the system. Like they'll they hate math. And I can stand outside my door and and watch them coming down the hallway and then they pop into their counselor's office really quick and I get a phone call like, hey, so-and-so wants to see their counselor right now. It's like, oh, it's, they don't want to see their counselor because they're having a mental health issue. They want to see their counselor because they want to get out of math class again.
0: Um, so see, it is, and that's, it is that's a big problem in my opinion. And I'm going to be real honest, too. Um, and I can even say that my kid falls in this category. Is our – I guess technically – The millennial generation of parents, because we were raised in a certain way, not that we were raised bad or like had it so miserable, but I feel like overall, the millennial as a parent is a lot more, I don't want to say carefree, not as strict, right? Punishment's Mm -hmm. not, punishment, I can tell you right now, punishment for when I was growing up and punishment for my child are not even on the same solar system. Yeah. Um, yeah. And which I don't need to, though. And it's just because his generation is so soft as a whole. And he is, too. He's so sensitive, and it drives you crazy. Um, <laughs> but I think that that's a big issue, too, is that... And I, I, I've... i um, A couple of times, because I know how I... Like, when somebody starts talking about Aiden, I can go zero to a hundred instantaneously. Yeah. Right. And I know that's probably going to be difficult as a teacher whenever you have to say anything that's remotely negative or not in a positive manner about um, a parent-child, because obviously we as parents think that our children are perfect and don't, you know, do anything wrong, yada yada yada. Um, but I think our parenting generation is a huge problem with it where we don't allow our children to face hardship and to work through it. It's more so, Ooh, this is, this is pretty tough. Let's, let's lighten this list below for them, lighten the load. And I think that's, what's kind of helped create this whole, like where a kid can just go up to a counselor in the middle of the day because they don't want to go to class yeah like Definitely. in our day i mean obviously at sixth grade that wasn't a thing but like you know in high school like you didn't want to go to class you just left school like <laughs> i'll just leave like if i don't want to go to class i'll just leave like that's it but now it's like oh i'm gonna pop in the counselor's cl- counselor's office and i'm not saying that these kids don't have like problems i'm sure they do there's kids that face you know hunger issues at home, there's kids that see, especially uh, being in the area that y'all are in, there's probably drug abuse, you know, alcoholism, you know, the whole nine. But at the same time, like I say, because of the parity that's become mental health, I think kids instantly, rather than remotely being forced or trying to face a problem, they instantly have to oh let's 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 talk this out oh let's let's diagnose this diagnose that and give you know whatever x y and z medicines and it's like what are we doing here this kid's you know nine years old yes there's been you know x y and z traumas but like do we really need to escalate to this point already or you know it's just one of those things that that's just something that I don't like with aid school and how they do it. I didn't realize I would have never in my life thought that, that our school back home would actually have that type of thing in place. So that's actually yeah. a little surprising, but I think that just goes to show that it is a generational
1: thing. Absolutely. I mean, like our, our district's getting ready to go through, like I in sixth grade, we do it in sixth grade and 10th grade. Um, we've done it for the past. I mean, this was since before COVID, um, we do this thing. It's called SOS signs of suicide and it's through nationwide children's. That's, you know, the, one of the state children's hospitals here um, where we, every single student goes through the signs of suicide training to where they know the signs to look for in themselves. They know the signs to look for in their classmates. Um, And they also take a survey two days in a row and they, they answer questions about themselves and how they're feeling. And, and that survey Is tied to them, like through their student ID, and if they answer questions a certain way, it will like trigger a notification, and those students that day um, are going to see a counselor. They're going to see a counselor no matter what, and a plan is going to be put in place for every single one of those students. And I've got to tell you, in the the past couple years, it's I've had a student accidentally click the wrong answer and be pulled for counseling during the day and they come back and say I swear I'm not suicidal I'm not having those thoughts but they accidentally answered a certain way on a survey and, and they're being pulled to speak to a counselor um, which do not get me wrong it is amazing that we have these services that our school can partner with Nationwide Children's to provide the, these opportunities for our students who really do need it um, but it's almost I don't know it's, it's almost overdone it's almost overdone. I, we have the resources available and students know those resources available, um, but now it's almost more that it needs to be, be fine-tuned. Uh, the system needs changed.
0: Do you guys remember, uh, speaking on that topic, I don't think I ever remember – now, granted, social media wasn't uh, as big or even really a thing, honestly – when we were coming up through until what maybe like high school, it finally started getting a little more popular. Yeah. Um, I mean, well, we did have MySpace. All right, now that shit was serious. Like, <laughs> if you weren't on someone's top friends, it was personal. Right. Um, but I just don't remember at any given point where suicide was ever a topic at hand, or ever even mentioned, or even to uh, us like. I don't ever remember even hearing about kids committing suicide whatsoever when we were kids, like growing oh. up. And like I don't, only one, which I'm not going to say that name. Uh, I'm, I think it was a suicide. I don't know, probably. Um, which we don't have to, you know, discuss that person. Um, but you know what I mean. Like it just, I don't ever remember it being. A thing.
1: Right. And I think, um, like when I think back now, like knowing what I do now and having the trainings that I have now, and I think back to some of my classmates, um, obviously there were some that were going through it, you know, just mentally, emotionally going through it. And it came out in different ways. And and obviously you never know like what somebody is going through at home. Where um, you know, in their own life, you never know what somebody is going through. And it probably was more prevalent than we realized. But I think now, like, the main point of, of having counselors uh, in the school or going through this SOS training and, and putting students through this SOS course, it's just to break the stigma. Um, because, you know, obviously, the more you're educated about something, like, the, you know, the better off you are. Uh, I think that's the main point is that if we educate everybody to look for the signs and, and because it's, it is, at least in, in Ohio, I know it's one of the top three um, causes of death in, in, in students under, you know, under 16. So I, I just think it's like, they're trying to break the stigma of, you know, being afraid to talk about it because the more likely you are to talk about it, the less likely you are to attempt suicide. Um, that all being said, it it is kind of taking over and it's, it's taking place of a lot of our education. And um, I feel like our school is more uh, social-emotional learning-minded than we are, like, math-reading academically. Minded
0: what, what age group do they start doing that?
1: Uh, in our school, it's sixth grade. Now, they only do it in sixth grade and tenth grade at our school. Um,
0: How old is a sixth grader?
1: Twelve. See,
0: eh, I, I feel like that's really uh, in my mind. But... Well, this
1: actually might surprise you. Um, we were told a, a couple weeks ago that we actually have had a kindergartner say those things that, that would trigger somebody to say, like, I can't believe they're, they're thinking those thoughts and saying those things out loud. Um,
0: See, and I think that's a societal problem, though, if you think about it, because of it being – Oh, like I think that kind of falls back into, in my opinion, um, where mental health and depression and all this stuff is talked about so much. And it's like I I understand that there are those I would say they're a lot more rare than they are common cases where a kindergartner literally has had an absolute hellacious life for their five years of living. You know what I mean? Like, I would, I'd be willing to say 94% of them have a really good life for the most part. Maybe some problems here and there, but outside of that, like 6%, like, how is that? Like, I feel like at age five, you can't even, you don't even know what death is.
1: Right. Like, I think, I think at that age, they only know those things because they've heard it from somebody else.
0: Exactly. And I think that falls back into the household. It falls back into like, because there's, there are parents out there that have their like four year olds and five year olds in therapy. And it's like, unless your kids got some serious behavioral mental issues, why are you subjecting them to that? Because at the end of the day, that stuff like therapy and all that, it's a business. Of course, they're gonna set. They're gonna find something wrong. Of course, they're gonna diagnose, and of course, they're gonna say, "Oh, you need further treatment." And you know what I mean? It's it's you're falling into a business scheme, and it's a it's a slippery slope, in my opinion. Yeah. And yeah. it just it doesn't make sense to me why anybody would ever subject their kids to that. Now, obviously, there are those other cases where. You know, kids got serious anger issues or serious, like, um, you know, issues in that manner. But overall, it just doesn't make sense to
1: me. Um, yeah, I mean, I do. I do want to change your statistic just a little bit. I mean, if I were to think of our school, which I know, like, you know, where, where you grew up, where we grew up. Um, students probably... If I think of the kindergarten classes coming in right now, I would even be as bold to say maybe 50 percent of students come from a life of food insecurity, of abuse. They don't foster care. They don't know. They live with their grandparents. They don't know where they're going to sleep that night. Like, are they whose house are they going to be at? Um, I, I would I would be as bold to say 50 percent of our young students have those issues of, um, they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. Now, luckily at our school, we have people that are very, very generous with food, that there are donations of food all the time. We have a food room at our school. We have a clothes room at our school for kids to go get clothes. There are always jackets donated every year because no matter what there are kids, they're going to come without a jacket. There are kids are going to wear flip-flops when there's snow outside, you know, not by choice because that's what they have. Um, so do I think that there are some kids that are really, really going through it? Yes. Do I think that um, it probably is being overhandled? Also, yes.
0: Yeah. It's a, I mean, there's obviously a fine line there. Um, I feel like what you I, – I know, like, where I'm at, like, drugs and alcohol are a thing, but it's also not – In terms of um, percentage of of the population, it's such a minute thing. Whereas, like back home, it's such a huge
1: thing. Yeah,
0: I mean, we have students
1: that can name. We have students that can name, you know, like a handful of drugs that they've personally seen, or they can tell you this is how you ingest the one, this is how you ingest the other.
0: And isn't that wild to think? I feel like when we were growing up. Um, I'll just go ahead and say it. It was that class of 08 that, like, screwed everybody over with that shit, in my opinion, which that obviously was my oldest brother's class. But I just feel like it wasn't really too much of a thing until that class. And then somehow it was like they're the ones that just, shroom, wildfire.
2: Yeah, I will say, I don't know if I was always just, like, super – naive or what, but I, I don't think it's, I don't necessarily think it's the case. Like when we were in school, I, I say this all the time. Like when I heard just about people like drinking or like smoking weed, um, or something like that, we we're like, Oh my God, that's like, Holy crap. Um, but today that like, you just hope those kids are only smoking and drinking weed or <laughs> drinking, <laughs> drinking, drinking, weed. And smoking weed. Because, <laughs> sorry,
0: well, I mean, this, this age, <laughs> yeah, you could probably drink weed.
2: Um, sorry it's almost midnight here by the way i'm getting tired but um i mean the amount of like hard hard hardcore drugs that are are going through like our high school right now um that just weren't there um at all when we were in school and again i i might have been a little naive to it but i i I don't think it was nearly as bad as it is now i mean it's it's um it's kind of getting scary i mean that's one of the things that you know with parker being school age now one of the one of the things we worry about, you know, being in this area, um, you know, your, your kids getting tied up in it and, um, kind of a, a, a big fear, you know, that coming down the road. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. That's, um, and that's the crazy part. Like, I mean, I'll go ahead and say now that I'm you know 30, I can say whatever. Um, I was one of those now it was more in the social side and it wasn't like I was just popping off a bottle of bourbon on the regular, <laughs> but I definitely, I'm pretty sure the earliest that I would drink would be in the summertime on the river. That was probably eh, eighth grade, I'd say probably like 13, 12, 13 monitored. But, and then by the time it was like freshman, I went to, I used to go to all kinds of parties, maybe not as much my freshman year um, because I spent a lot of time with you, uh, with y'all specifically. Um, So we were doing other illegal activities um, that were not drug or alcohol induced. Um, (laughs) um, But yeah, it wasn't until like sophomore, junior, senior that I was at parties pretty frequently. It wasn't – only a few parties that I ever went to actually had drugs. Most of them never did. Or if they, if they did, I never saw it. It wasn't like out there, whereas there was a couple of them where it was like at a trailer and it was like a big giant hot box. And I was like, ah, I don't want to be in there type of deal. Um, but it is, it is strange it, like how – because, I mean, just for example – to give an ideation of um what how prevalent it is back home was that sheriff's office page on facebook yeah oh my god like one i feel like i didn't even know there were that many people in the county <laughs> two how is it that the same person can be on there on a monday a friday and a sunday and then i'll see him again twice the following week it's like hold on a second What's happening here? Like, are they just reposting this stuff or what?
2: (laughs) Like, why don't they just hang on to them for a little bit longer than than a day? Yeah,
0: right. Because it's like I've seen more um, drug related things, and then this is the the at least in my side, it's funny whenever they like, and you know the areas, you know the areas poor when they try to be like, oh yeah, we had this big drug bust and then they'll have, like, 20s and 5s lined out on a picture. <laughs> Whereas where I live, I mean, not that the big drug busts happen that often, but if they have a drug bust here and they take a photo, it's, like, a couple million dollars, you know? Like, it's it's serious. Whereas, like, the other one might be, like, $235 and 5s and 10s. <laughs> Mm. Oh shit! That just cracks I mean, it up.
1: I mean, anybody that that knows knows me, like, and especially knew me when I was younger. Not now, because I'm a teacher and I witness it. But like, I was naive. I was, I was, you know me, like, I was very naive. You were um, sheltered. And I, but was I? Because you know my parents. Um, well. No, I just turned a blind eye, yeah, or true. I was. I was naive. I didn't know. I I, do. I think maybe some of my classmates were having parties where they were drinking. Yeah. Do I think. (laughs) I was at those
0: classmates parties. (laughs) Right. Like did I
1: know then? Did I know then? No, I had no idea. I had no idea, but obviously like, I mean, my dad knows a lot of people. I feel like people wouldn't invite me to those things because they're like, Oh, Katie will probably tell her dad and then her dad will tell whoever. But, um, you know, just like the connections, relationships that we had, but um, I just, the things that, that parents, like the things that I hear that students are doing, that their parents are allowing them to do, or that their parents are a part of is actually, yeah. it's shocking, it's still shocking, and I, I hear something new every day, and it is, it's very shocking.
0: Now, um, I will say, and I'm definitely not going to mention any names whatsoever. Um, But I remember when I was at... um, Especially, like, those river days and stuff like that, like, I would actively drink with my friend's parents because they were the suppliers. (laughs) Uh, But again, like, at that... Like, I don't know, I guess at that time, um, even, like, looking back now, it was never... It was never really in a, I mean, yes, technically giving like a 14-year-old alcohol is um, not the right thing to do or smart, but I yeah, also sure. think, well, yeah, that that too, uh, but I also think that they probably wouldn't wouldn't have let it get out of hand because I never, like when I was that age, I didn't push the boundaries either, you know what I mean? I wasn't out there like trying to get hammered and look cool like oh i'm gonna drink like eight beers so that way i look cool and they don't think i'm like some sort of like you know pansy or whatever i never acted that way now whereas someone that was your age (laughs) he did (laughs) and it was always hilarious um and but i think had i ever tried to push the boundaries i would think and i could be wrong that those parents probably would have been like all right hey like you gotta chill out um but i'll never know because i didn't push the boundaries um i was relatively despite making the dumb decision to drink it or team um still made smart long-term decisions with that in terms of intake and whatnot but uh it is wild to think that you have kids that are the age that you guys teach and they have seen, uh, you know, a meth lab before, or they've been close to one where it's active, like active, or yep. they have, fam- you know, family members that, you know, deal or abuse or, but I also think that like coming from our area and the, how dense the drug population is, I think in one way or another, a hundred percent of that population has been affected by drugs in one way or another.
1: Yeah. That's, I'd be willing uh, to say that back. for sure. Yeah. yeah.
0: And it's definitely um, one of those things that you, uh, you never think that it's going to be your family until it is. And then it's like, Oh shit. Um, so I mean, I guess technically, which is, you know, and not to get off topic too, I know we're a little left field here, and uh, which is pretty on par for this podcast. Um, <laughs> you know, when I think about it, like I technically, with all the shit that I had happen um, with my family stuff, I could have easily been one of those kids that were, you know, needing to see a, a counselor or whatever.
1: Yeah yes you definitely could have I mean but even, at the same time like I never being,
0: thought that way
1: right yeah I mean as even being the third child now puts you like you know front and center for needing to see a counselor um, but yeah back when we were in school I think I spoke to my school guidance counselor um, you know once or twice about colleges and stuff but now like our guy elementary guidance counselor is only for mental health counseling.
0: Really? Yeah. We didn't even have yes. we didn't was she was she for the whole school? I thought she was just for high school whenever we were growing up. I didn't think they the yes, had one for she
1: was just for high school, yes.
0: Right. And I thought it was literally just like, Hey, if you guys need help with your college applications, come see me. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: And I didn't even go to her for that. <laughs> 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 oh shoot. Um, okay, well, I want to ask you guys a couple more questions and then we'll see how you guys are feeling. Uh, Zach's been awful quiet, which I'm proud of him for giving Katie, uh, (laughs) that stage and platform. Also, Katie, proud of you for, um, actively speaking the entire duration and not being a pansy makes (laughs) it, makes it a better episode. Um, (laughs) we'll start at light. This is for each of you. What is your favorite part of being a teacher?
1: I'm going to try not to, like, make it too cliche. Um, well,
0: it could be cliche. I
1: just um, – my – I really, really, really do enjoy seeing a student come to me, you know, and and finding whatever area they're lacking in. You know, it's almost like a puzzle. Like, you're trying to find that missing piece. You're like, okay – they're here. What can I do to get them to the finish line? Like, how can I help them grow? And, and obviously like being a math teacher, I have a big data mind and I love like tracking, you know, where they started to where they are now to where they ended and figuring out what I did to get them there. And, you know, what went right and what went wrong. Um, that's, that's honestly one of my favorite things of being a teacher.
2: Um, I guess for mine, I'm going to bring up, going to bring up the gender card here just being in a being a um for me a minority in my profession you know what i mean like teaching has always been a uh a a women dominated profession and uh you know usually you don't a lot of times you don't see a um a male teacher till you're in what junior high high school you know what i mean At, at the elementary level it's pretty it's pretty rare so um i think for me just kind of being um a male teacher is kind of a a unique um Kind of fun thing because you know the there is the mushy, you know, cliche answer of just you know being able to be a male role role model for a lot of these kids because a lot of them do, you know, live with grandma and don't have a a father figure and, and things like that or, you know, even just you know kids who do have a father figure just um you know they get the unique experience of having a a male elementary school teacher you know compared to, um you know having all women before and stuff so. Um, that's kind of fun because I think, you know, one of the reactions I always get at the beginning of the year, um, you know, a lot of a lot of the kids are, I don't know, maybe really shy or um, more timid around me than, you know, that maybe they are some of the female teachers. But they, they quickly realize that I'm nicer and, and, and more fun and cooler than <laughs> than most of the, the women teachers anyway. So um, I think being a guy in the profession, you know, it's it's not. There, there's not a lot of us, but um, I guess for uh, for those of us who are who, who are in it and, and stick it out, it's uh, it's a pretty fun, uh, pretty cool opportunity. So yeah.
0: So I'll actually add to your little statement there. Um, at my kid's school, there is not a single male teacher. Yeah. <laughs> the only male, yeah. other than um custodian staff those are typically all men um the only male that's in any type of like teaching or leadership capacity there is the vice principal yeah and i think yeah yeah i won't elaborate on that i'll get myself in trouble (laughs) um but you know what i mean um so But I mean, honestly, he's like, he's fantastic. The vice principal, I'll just put it this way. The dude's super gay. Like, I'm talking (laughs) the farthest end of the spectrum, but he is so awesome. And the way that he interacts with the students, and he's like the ultimate cheerleader for them. And I know I might be coming across as a little, I don't know, but it's just ironic, though, that the only dude that's there is, I don't know, like it's, I don't know if they did that (laughs) on purpose. Um, but, like, the Duke – so, like, every month they have um, – they give out awards to every – like, to a certain amount of students in every single class, right? And they have a student of the month um, award, which my kid got it a couple of months ago. But to be perfectly honest, every kid gets it at least one point during the school year. So, it's not like it's like <laughs> – you know, like, oh, wow, uh, type of thing. But, like, that dude goes nuts for those kids at those assemblies. Like, I'm talking just full-blown, like, nuts. And it's so awesome to see. Like, the dude is so upbeat. And I'm like, dude, I just want, like, a teaspoon of that energy. Let me get some of that. Um, but, yeah, it literally is. You're right. It is. It's like – it's – it's almost the equivalent, not now, because nowadays nursing's changed, but it's kind of like how nursing, like, 10, 15 years ago, like, it was rare to see male nurses, and um, but when you think about it, like, you're right. Uh, second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade, it wasn't until I hit seventh grade that I had a male teacher. Yeah. And that was all science with Dick. So, (laughs)
2: <laughs> yeah I mean in all my in all my um college classes I was always you know it, I think there was a, a at one point we had one other guy but in most of them you know um I was I was the only one out of a room full of you know 50 60 people so it was always interesting I always got some weird you know at first everybody was a little like what's well, this is this guy it, it was always I, the amount of times ah. that I got asked, the amount of times that I did get asked if I was gay um, in college is uh, is um, is more than one. <laughs> um, and uh, I was always kind of offended by that. Not, not just because I'm like, do I do I seem like it? Or is that just uh, because I'm the only guy?
0: Stigmatism, dude. It was the stereotype. Yeah.
2: So, and, um, you know, yeah, was interesting.
0: funny thing you say with that. So I was in, before I went into the Navy, I was at Ohio University, right? And I was in there nursing program, I went into anatomy and physiology. There was like 200 students. I was the only guy. I was the only one. I stood up the first day and <laughs> some people might take this, like, however, I don't really get shit. Cause you know, at the time, so this is like 2012. I stood up the first day and I was like, I just want to make this perfectly clear. I am not gay. I am straight and I'm single. That's what I did first day. That's what I said. First day, I had like five, six people were like, Oh, you want to be my lab partner? I, you know what I did? I was like, I, I stood, I looked around and I was like, who is the smartest person in the room right now? Cause I want to be their partner. And so that was who I, I was lab partners with all the, all the smart people. Um, but it was just really funny though. Cause that's, that was the stigmatism with men and nursing. Um, and that was in 2012. So that was what? Uh, how many years ago? Twelve years ago. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but that just—it really is like that, though. I've—I've I've noticed that. Like even in, um, because you did early childhood education before that, right? Me? Obviously, you. I what? What was the question? I missed the question. You did. You did early childhood education right yeah or development yeah. is that what it is like we did preschool right
2: oh yeah that's a whole yeah that's a yeah mm-hmm, that's a different question but yeah
0: <laughs> right so well what i'm saying is early, even early childhood in,
2: education is preschool through third grade is kind of what that encompasses so but yeah i know what you're i know what you're talking well
0: about. even in that like there's no like when i when i went through with aiden because he was in a private school that was here and or a private preschool that was here in California, all females. And then before that in Washington state, he was in a, um, a preschool there, all females. And then he was at, um, the CDC, which is like childhood or childcare. Technically it's like child development centers, whatever. Basically it's, Military child care, and they were all males, or all females, sorry. Oh, wow. So it really is um, a rarity to see a man and um, early just youth education period, whether it's, you know, all the way down at, like, child care level, or if it's all the way up through um, even those mid-level grades. So it is ironic. I've never thought about that until you pulled that up, said that. Yep,
2: yep, yep, yep.
0: Oh, man. Okay. Well, here's the other half of the question. Um, This is going to be the fun half for me, Uh, probably not for you guys. Um, What would you guys say is the most difficult thing about being a teacher? (laughs) Uh, Welcome to midnight.
1: I feel like if you would have asked me this a couple years ago, I would have had a different answer. Um, Like Right now, it is Gosh, I don't know. I feel like I have like a. There's a lot of things that are extremely difficult. There are a lot of things that are so hard about being a teacher right now. Like I feel like let Zach answer and then I'll try to narrow it down.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I I brought up, you know, the other day I brought up just the you know funding our classroom and stuff. That's always kind of it always kind of stinks. But that's you know not really necessarily the biggest. That's challenge. a surface level a, problem. It's just a more yeah. I mean. I think the um, the amount – just I don't want to go into specifics because I feel like I'm just going to be talking over people's heads with boring education stuff, but, you know, the amount of work uh, – you're
0: that, not. Put it out. That's what the episode's <laughs> the, for.
2: Yeah, I mean, just the, um, the amount of work that has been um, handed down to us, you know, as, as teachers compared to in the past with just the amount of documentation that we have to do or um, – like the types of interventions or the you know we're expected to it's like every year they're adding some sort of new oh by the way this year we're going to start using um this learning program or that learning program or this curriculum and, and it just seems like every year something more just gets stacked and stacked and stacked on on top of you and even like at like parent con- parent teacher conferences the other night just little stuff like like we can't just, you know, have a conference with parents like they just come in and we leave it like we have to fill out a paper where we have to write the person's name and their phone number and exactly what we discussed with that parent. And like every single move that you make has to have, have has to have documentation and, and, you know, you have to put it into a Google Doc and you have to it's just it, it's just crazy. Like you can't, you know, it seems like just, it's like,
0: getting further from the actual teaching aspect yeah
2: and and even like just I mean contacting parents like you know you know if your kid's failing like I can't just call and be like hey your kid's failing I I I do but then I have to also document that I have to write that down and just I think the documentation and the paperwork and the you know just the the stuff that keeps getting handed down to us that maybe used to be an administration thing and you know with staffing shortages it's like we, we we just have to wear so many more hats and have so much more on our plates than um than our our job description um um says you know and then on top of that it's it's again you know you we, got to fill out this documentation you got to do that you got to learn this new curriculum do this training this pd oh by the way you got to teach the kids too so it's just the workload just um it just increases 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 every every single year so that's Well, from Um, the way
0: that you describe that, I mean, like I said briefly there, it does seem like it keeps pulling further and further away from the actual education and teaching the child and children, like, math, reading, science, like, instead, it's now, okay, we're going to add this, and not saying that all the behavioral health things and all that stuff are completely pointless, because they're not, but it seems like they keep adding in more and more and more to where it's like, okay, well, obviously when you add those things, you have to take time from the education portion because you can't take time away from the other mandatory trainings and stuff that you have to be able to give out. So it just seems like they're taking more and more away from your guys' job and making it more of an administrative uh, type of thing rather than it being – um you know that classic interactive um giving you guys the opportunity to have the time to do the three different types of learning i I feel like that seems to be a big issue is that you guys only are getting because of all these additional things that keep getting thrown in place you're having to allocate time to get the mandatory stuff done to where it takes away from what should be mandatory
1: yeah.
2: Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: I feel like, um, like I, my answer was gonna be Zach's answer. Like I was, but like my other part of it is like the most difficult part is dealing with students' families and dealing with students' home lives. Um, just, just the the parent aspect, like the um, the way we have to contact parents and and how much access um, parents and families have to us. Um, you mentioned class dojo. Um, you know, I can get messages from students, families at all hours of the day and night. Do I have to answer them? No. Um, but if you're a kind of person like me, like I have to deal with stuff right away or it weighs on me. Um, but I feel like at our school, we we kind of have this, you know, like the, the customer is always right motto. Like, you know, we really cater to our students and our parents and if you think back to when you were in school like my parents were almost as scared of my teachers as I was like they didn't want to go talk to those teachers they were scared to talk to those teachers like whatever my teacher said was law and and it's a lot different now um I mean I I can't give you I don't I cannot give you specific examples but I mean there are there have been times this year when when parents have said, I want my kid doing this at school and we got to listen to them. Um, Or, you know, a a parent messages an administrator and says, Hey, they don't like that you're teaching something this way. You need to teach it this way to them. Like telling me how I should be doing my teaching. Um, But then like just the amount of time that we have to dedicate communicating with parents, like our school has a rule right now that at least for the elementary side, it's in our teacher handbook that if a student has below a C, so that's under a 75 we have to be in contact with them weekly. And I have, I know it doesn't sound like a lot to other teachers. This is not going to sound like a lot. I have 86 students. Um, at the beginning of the year, I was contacting 25 sets of families weekly. Right now, it's down to 19. Uh, last week, oh, it's it was still only 30. a lot. It's still a lot. It is. It's a lot. And then I can't just say, hello, your child is has under a 75 no I provide them with the exact grade I tell them why they have that grade and then we have a discussion a lot of times the discussion is not fun um I know Andrew you and I kind of talked a little bit earlier like I had we had parent-teacher conferences the other night and Zach has a classroom of 18 students how many conferences did you have say four Zach had four conferences I had 12 there are only 12 slots so I had a full three hours of conferences um, like my, my conferences were full and I, I told my teacher team, I felt like in every single conference I had to say, Hey, I'm so sorry. Your child's really bad at math. And I'm, I'm sorry. They're bad at math. And a lot of it was, well, why aren't you helping them? Oh, trust me. I'm helping them with every thing that I have. I am helping them. But, um, parents, you, like you said, you, you hit the nail on the head earlier. Parents don't like to hear that their kid's bad at something. They don't like to hear it they take it as a reflection on themselves. And I know as a parent, I do like Parker's struggling with a couple things right now. And I think, oh my gosh, it's my fault. Um, so obviously I see it from the parents' perspective, but, um, you know, I have parents that will message me at 10 o'clock at night saying, Hey, we're studying for your math quiz tomorrow. Explain to me. They'll say, teach me how to do long division. <laughs> and it's just, it's these huge expectations. Um, But then just to contradict myself, I I told Zach almost right before we started this tonight, I had a parent message me um, just to say thank you for, like, how much I cared for their child. And um, I'm trying to get her the help she needs in math right now. And she was really thankful and said, I wish there were more teachers like you. So, you know, for all of, you know, all of the parents that can be frustrating or all of the the rules that we have that can be frustrating, um, there's always something that makes it a little bit easier like that. Just getting that nice message from a parent was... It kind of lifted my spirits a little bit.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking about earlier, um, not that I'm a teacher because, like I said, I'm not, uh, but I feel like my favorite thing would be when I've been a teacher for like 10, 12 years and watching what those kids grew into, right? Like for especially at your the grade levels that you guys are teaching right now, um, because you'll see them, they'll like go through high school and you see them change. And then you see them, like they come out of college or if they don't go to college or like, like, oh man, like, look at that person. They're, they're a doctor now, or they're, you know, doing this, doing that. They're, you know, running a business. Like, I feel like that would be pretty rewarding. Um,
1: It is. And, and I feel like, you know, any teacher can say that they don't, you know, pass judgment, but you, you have, you get these ideas in your head of how, and I feel like this is a bit easier for me to say, because Zach's, this is your third year in second grade. So, you know, his, his oldest students that he's had from second grade are in fourth grade now, but like, I have students that are getting ready to graduate that I had my first year. Um, and I do you you decide in your head like oh this is how their life's gonna go and I like being pleasantly surprised, um you know that man they didn't turn out like they thought they were going to and I hate to say that you know but you do especially around here you think okay this is the path they're going beyond, this is the path their family went down you want better for them um but you just have a feeling this is how it's gonna turn out and and it, when it doesn't you go wow like that's so great you it's really, it is it's rewarding to think that maybe you had a little part in it
0: i can tell you and i told zach this last week that i can remember the impact that every single teacher i had from the only i mean i hate to say it the only like impact that i don't think i ever had was um, kindergarten i know who my teachers were but at that point um, i just remember having to go see the principal too many times. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, going
1: to be our youngest child. <laughs>
0: specifically, the first time I had to go, I had to go see the principal on the second day of school, kindergarten, because I cussed the high schooler out on the bus. I was that kid. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to paddle, too, like, which that was uh, back in the... Uh, I'm not going to say her name, but those days. That's all I have to say, I think, and you already yeah. know. Uh, yeah. yeah, which you already know what that was like walking into that office. It's like, oh, shit, here we go. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I remember that. Um, first grade was the grade that I was – because I was such a little lion-ass kid. Um, teacher didn't believe that I was actually left-handed and made me right, right-handed the entire school year. And to this that's day, terrible. to this day, I still write with my right hand.
2: Do you really? I didn't know that. That's terrible. Yeah.
0: I was, well, I was, you know how kids are. I was a little liar, like an idiot.
2: <laughs> and
0: um, yeah, she was like, I don't believe that you're left-handed. And I was like, I can literally throw baseballs, whatever for you to show you like, hey, like I'm, I'm left-handed. No, you're going to write with your right hand. And that's why my writing sucks is because I was forced to switch hands as a kid.
2: You're writing with your (laughs) non-dominant hand.
0: Yeah, so, uh, but I think that also in the long run, it actually made me more like ambidextrous because I can almost do anything with both hands. The only thing I can't do with my left hand is right, um, but I can do everything else and stay with my right hand. I can do pretty much anything with my right hand, just not as well as my left, Uh, kind of funny. Uh, but also, I was, you know, going to brag myself up in a classroom of, like, 17. I was the only kid that can name all 50 states, capitals, and abbreviations in the first grade. What? That was super <laughs> cool. Uh, don't ask me those now, because uh, I don't know the abbreviations or the capitals. But if you gave me a map of the United States, I could write down where every state's located. So at least I got that going for me. Um, I mean, I don't think
1: they have to do that now. Like, I don't.
0: <laughs> well, you'd be surprised at how many people can't do that.
1: Right. No, I would um, not. I'm a teacher. I would not be surprised.
0: <laughs> I'm talking about adults.
1: <laughs> right. Absolutely. I mean, we've got kids that, that couldn't tell you a phone number if there was an emergency, couldn't tell you their address. Um, you know what's funny? I, you I, know I what's I, funny?
0: I said I know, that to yeah. Aiden. I asked Aiden, I was like, Aiden, what do you ever do if there's an emergency? I was like, who do you call? And he was like, 191. I was like, no, you idiot. (laughs) I'm like, 911. He's like, 919. I'm like, no.
1: (laughs) I actually had a student this week raise his hand and he said, Mrs. Ash, I learned how to spell my middle name. And I said, you're 12. Oh, shit. (laughs) And, And I said, okay, so show of hands, who? knows how to spell their middle name and not even half of them can spell their full name.
0: Well also I think that's a that's a name issue. There's so many <laughs> lens and just LYs and ILYs and L Y N's and all these extra letters thrown on the end of their names for no reason at all. Or they'll have two middle names for who the yeah. fuck knows. Like just because their parents are high on beef jerky when they name them. I don't know. <laughs> um, oh, here is one thing I will say that I love, love, love about my kids' school. And I don't know if they do it at your guys'. I remember we, when we were growing up, we had to do it. Um, every single day, they have to start their morning off with the Pledge of Allegiance.
1: Um, we do at our school as well. We do that too.
2: That's all we're going to say
0: about That's that. We're <laughs> say oh, about let that. me guess. Kids get the option to not stand.
1: No, 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 no no, oh. no, no. no. We also, our students also say, um, a like a pledge, like for their behavior. They say like a behavior pledge every day as well. What? At our school. Um, just like. <sighs>
2: don't make us say it
1: no like they just they just talk about like you know Parker talks about every day like how he has to have self-control and be responsible and um be respectful and they say that pledge as well okay (laughs) yes
2: When, when I did it when I did head start I had um I had I had mostly three and three and four year olds And, of course, a three-year-old doesn't know how to say the pledge. And, you know, I wasn't about to teach it to him. I'm going to be honest. I'll let, you know, the older preschool and the kindergarten do that. So a lot of times, like, they, whenever we'd have the pledge in the morning, we'd be sitting there eating breakfast. And, um, you know, I'd always stand up and do it or whatever. But, like, the other kid, I honestly just let the kids. I didn't even make them stand up. I just let them sit there. And sometimes people would see it and kind of look at me sideways. And I'm like, they're peacefully protesting. Shut up. They're they're Kaepernicking. Just leave them alone. Let them eat their. Let them eat their dang cinnamon rolls.
0: Oh, that sounds good. (laughs) I wouldn't mind a cinnamon roll. (laughs) Oh man, yeah, it is. I was surprised, though. Honestly, I am shocked that uh, Aiden School does that out here in California, like Southern California and the city, to be exact. I'm very, very shocked, but like even when they have the awards assemblies that we go to, they make all the parents stand up and do it, and so I'm like, all right it's uh interesting.
2: I just want to give but, you a live update. Kate has officially shut her laptop, so I think that means she's <laughs> Listen,
1: <laughs> what do you mean you
0: guys
1: my laptop because it is. 12, 13, and I have a three-year-old who I'm about to go sleep with who will be awake at five.
0: What do you mean? You mean that that both parents can't stay up all night and then wake up at the butt crack of dawn? Mm, No. (laughs) I really need to learn those ways.
1: (laughs) You do. (laughs) I
0: did not go to sleep last night until 3.30 in the morning. Wow. wow. But I'm also a psycho, so that's okay. This but you, is true.
1: you have always been, you know, the kid that. I could be asleep, you know, at midnight and I heard a basketball. And I always knew that if I just went and looked out the window, it was Andrew. Andrew was shooting. Um,
2: you
0: know, that is true. This. Like, if I think about it, if, and maybe I'm, this makes me realize that how good of neighbors you guys were. Because I'm pretty sure, because there's kids that live, like, just just as close as what I did to y'all. Um, and I'm pretty sure if I heard them out there bouncing a ball at midnight, I'd be like, yo, take that shit inside. <laughs> I mean,
1: the number of times that you were just in our garage, you were just there. Like yeah. daily, you were Well, just you guys there gave me the code, and... so <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that would not happen. Like if somebody showed up on my porch right now, I would hide. The doors are locked. I would hide. Like I, <laughs> you know. Like, well, you guys also,
0: right uh, I'd be really concerned if somebody showed up on my porch where you live.
1: That's true. <laughs> yeah, where we live now. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'd I'd be, I'd be like, ooh, okay. Like drugs, unless it's drugs, you know. Yeah. Unless it's from just up the hill, otherwise I'd be like, "Ooh, what's going on here?" Yeah. So, that's okay. Well, I will, um, I will concede at this point. If you guys have no uh, further comments, anything that you want to add into our uh, two-hour episode.
1: No, I mean, I do feel like this could become a series. I'm not going to say, like, you know, I just feel like, I don't want to say, like, a weekly, monthly series, but I feel like we could have this conversation, we could continue this conversation, because I do have, obviously, so much more to say, so much more that I had written down that we didn't cover, but, um, yeah, I'd love to that. Well, you more. gotta, you gotta, right, you gotta cut me off.
0: You gotta cut me off. Zach's the same <laughs> way. He just lets me go, and the next thing you know, like, I'm pretty sure we talked about drugs and alcohol for, like, 15 minutes, and that's not even <laughs>
2: Hey, it's It's, your show brother it's your show
1: we're just guests
0: no i am just the facilitator a really shitty one at
2: that (laughs) no you're not
1: you asked some really good questions and i don't know maybe next time i'll like share my notes with you beforehand (laughs) we'll do it we'll do
2: a part two sometime
1: yeah absolutely
0: you know if you think about it though i still have yet to go into a podcast prepared like with preempted like I didn't have anything written down for this I just get in here and let it fly and see where it goes
1: I just I'm at the point in my life where like I told Zach today I I need to write things down because um a lot of things get jumbled up in my head because I have so many things that I'm juggling right now and um I did I I I had some notes written down for things I wanted to say thankfully I didn't really have to consult them um that much but there's a lot more stuff I'd love to talk about we'll try to have to plan for that
0: Well, like I say, I can almost always make a recording happen. Um, Also, I feel like now that you've done this first one, you realize how easy it actually is. So you won't be as reluctant to... uh... Yeah. Yeah. That's like with Zach. Zach, he was reluctant in the beginning. He's like,
2: I don't know. I don't know.
0: And then I was like, let's just do a trial and see how it is. And then next thing you know, he's the one that's over here like, hey, man, you ready to do another episode? And I'm like... Shit! I going to get my shit
1: together. <laughs> that's gonna be me. I'm just gonna keep like running notes. I've got like a, a doc on my my laptop, and that's what I'll do. I'll just keep running notes, and I'll think, oh, I want to talk to Andrew about this. So,
0: <laughs> well, we will definitely uh, continue this saga. Maybe we'll uh, do one. Um, what's the, today's February? Maybe in like April, and then we can do one in June. That's uh, post school year getting geared up for like what summertime look like in teaching that kind of thing well, and then we'll be in the um, midst
1: of summer school yeah
0: <laughs> and then probably do another episode in august early august like oh prepping for the school year what that looks like and um yeah so there's plenty of things that we could easily do um
1: sounds like a good so- plan
0: yes well i do want to say thank you both for one staying up till uh midnight 30 doing this episode <laughs> um i was actually shocked that you texted me when you did and you were like oh are you gonna be ready and i'm like oh shit i need 30 minutes
1: and it was already
0: like 10 o'clock your time so i was like "Ooh, i'm sorry um but i do you're really appreciate you we guys love you.
1: you're lucky we love you <laughs> hey
0: you know i got a <laughs> I got to do something right. Um, and ironically, um, you and I will uh, end it with this. So, obviously, growing up, I was obsessed with uh, Pop Tarts and Dr. Pepper. Well, now that I'm an adult, I still love Pop Tarts, but I'm obsessed with diet Dr. Pepper now. Uh,
1: I've been drinking,
0: well, think about I've been drinking Diet Pop now for. Over a year, year and a half. So now that I've been so used to like not like real flavors, whenever I take a drink of it, I'm like, oh, my, this may not be 23 flavors of gold, but there's still like 16 in there. It's pretty good.
1: <laughs> well, your next gift from us then will be Pop-Tarts and Diet, Dr. Pepper.
0: <laughs> <however. laughs> I still have the icy on them. I'm not one of those psychos that buys the Pop-Tarts that don't have icing.
1: Okay, good.
0: all righty well again i appreciate you all showing up um until next time this is gonna wrap up this episode drumco unplugged